Let's bring in our powerhouse roundtable, former New Jersey governor and ABC News contributor Chris Christie, Democratic strategist and former DNC chair Donna Brazil, National Review editor Rich Lowry, and Elizabeth Bumiller, the Washington bureau chief for the New York Times. Governor Christie, stock market tumbling, shut down, the mess over Mattis in Syria. This has been a rough week for the president. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, there are good weeks and bad weeks when you're an executive in government, um, and this wasn't one of the best weeks that he's had. But in the end, I don't think anybody should be surprised about what's going on here. Um, there are certain things, and I've said this on this program a number of times before, that, that the president has been pretty consistent on. The two that he's been most consistent on is trade and on the border. And so I can't say I'm surprised by it. I think that the execution of the strategy could have been significantly better, but I'm not surprised where we've ended up, which is he feels like he has to make a stand on this politically because, as you said earlier in the program, it was a central promise in the 2016 campaign. Well, that was Mexico paying for it. That uh, well, by the way, and the wall, yes. but, but wait a second, and yeah. the wall too, because, listen, I was in those debates, yeah. and there were a number of I us who were that, debating yeah. the other side of that and saying yeah. that a wall wasn't the best way to do this. So the centrality of the, of, of the promise is not just the Mexico payment, although that is part of it. It is the wall itself. It's the wall itself. But, but Don, explain but, but, to me why Democrats are not willing to give anything on this. Uh, Couldn't they get, they could get all, I mean, come on, wow. what you can get yeah. out of Trump. Wow, that's yeah. quite a groan yeah. you gave what there. What was that sound? Wow. <laughs> that is the sound of Nancy Pelosi about to take power. <laughs> we days away. wield it. Uh, no, I'm groaning because Democrats have offered this president a little bit to get a lot more, and he rejected it. He rejected it because he thought he could get even more from a Republican-controlled Congress. He didn't get it. And my good friend, it's Christmas, so you know me and you're going to show yeah, a little love right here. Will. But let me just say this. The president, he's unraveled. Things are unraveling. This is more than the wall. And by the way, he promised a beautiful wall. Now we're talking about steel slats. I don't even. I think Louisiana. steel slats are beautiful. But, but let <laughs> really? Me just, but, Donna, but, but, but Donna, listen, if I, I don't have enough fingers and toes Okay. to count the number of times that I've sat on this set or the one in New York and heard Democrats say it's unraveling over the last two years. It's unraveling. This is it. This is the fulcrum. This is the point Would when it's all going to fall apart. It's listen, chaotic. Let me it feels a little differently this, this time. It's chaotic. No, it no listen, it no? doesn't feel differently to me. This is, th this is who this president is. So, and so why are, we, why are we surprised that he's upending everything? That's who he is. That's who people voted for. So I don't feel it being any different today I than don't I felt. Think, I, I don't think Rich, they Rich, voted for Let this. me ask you, the president actually surprised me this week with a tweet uh, that happens on time to time. But, but look at this tweet. He said, even President Ronald Reagan tried for eight years to build a border wall or fence and was able to, unable to do so. That surprised me. So I, I called up uh, Lou Cannon, the great uh, Reagan biographer, and I said, did, did you ever hear the President Reagan ever push for a wall? He said no. And then uh, this quote surfaced from Reagan in 1980. Rather than making them or talking about putting up a fence, why don't we work out some recognition of our mutual problems, make it possible for them to come here legally with a work permit, and then while they're working and earning here, they pay taxes here. 
What happened to that Republican Party? Well, Reagan was open-handed on immigration, I think too open-handed on immigration. And one reason Republicans are so skeptical of any big immigration deal is Reagan had one in 1986 where we were supposed to get enforcement in exchange for an amnesty, and the enforcement never really came. So on the wall now, I'm sympathetic to the need for more structure there. But this strategy on the shutdown is a box canyon. First rule of the shutdown, don't take credit for a shutdown. He blew through that rule in the Oval Office. Therefore, Democrats feel no pressure. And they also know with every day that passes and you get closer to January 3rd, right. their influence and power is going to increase because Nancy Pelosi is going to take the gavel. So I fear the two likeliest outcomes here for the president are a defeat that he claims is a victory or a defeat that he blames on congressional Republicans. How does it end? That's my. That's a good question. So January 3rd, Nancy Pelosi uh, opens up the, the House votes to open the government. Senate goes along. Then what does the president do? Does he veto that bill and say I'm going to keep the government shut, keep 400,000, 800,000 workers without pay? Where does he go from there? So I think the only um, you see a little bit of a glimmer of, uh, of it, what you saw with Mick Mulvaney this morning. Maybe after uh, after Christmas, there's somebody says uh, they reach a number of two billion. The Democrats call it border security, and the Republican Trump calls it a wall. But which have we seen? It wasn't obviously there was the shutdown. Yet Mike Pence, the vice president, went up and basically told the, the Republican senators earlier this week that the president was okay with the the, the measure to keep the government open. Right. They backed down on that, and then the, and then Syria and Mattis. Yeah. And I'm starting to hear something a little bit different, which is Republican senator after Republican senator coming out and expressing openly criticism of the White House. Yeah, so the president has to be careful because, you know, Mattis, uh, th there were deeper problems with Mattis. The president thought Mattis was basically ignoring him on everything, not just trying to talk him out of bad decisions on, on big things. But Mattis represented the marriage of the Republican establishment to this president. And the breaking of that bond is, is not a good thing for the president because he needs the entire spectrum of the party to feel as warmly as possible towards him because he has these very high stakes, very intense political and legal fights coming up. Uh, in the new year, and he needs every single Republican to have his back on this. Yeah, so, so what, is, what does the new year look like? Well, well, listen, I mean, is, is, this, is this the precursor? One of the things I've often said to the president is when you're executing on executive power in government, there has to be a strategy that has an end game. And what I'm concerned about is what Rich said. I don't know what the end game is here. And it hasn't been articulated. And in all of this stuff, the other thing that this administration at times has really not appreciated is the cross currents. Everything affects everything else. Mm -hmm. The president comes right. from a world where each deal is discreet. This, it's this piece of real estate. We argue, we sue each other, we fight, and then it's only money, so let's make a compromise and we move on. In this world, everyone remembers every slight. Everyone remembers every time they were told, okay, pass this and I'll, and I'll sign it, and then you change your mind. And they lie in the weeds and they wait to get you. If you have issues coming up, like the Mueller report, like potential investigations from House Democrats. Um, if you have those things, you've got to keep, as Rich very well put, your Republicans completely in line with you to be able to fight off a, a political or legal attack from the other side. And Democrats smell blood. Smell blood. I mean, you, you, he's splattered blood all over Washington with, you know, the way he's treating not just General Mattis, but the way he's treating a lot of other uh, top Republicans. Look, leaving Syria without a strategy, is an open door for Moscow. Leaving the Kurds without protection is an open door for Iran. So I don't know what the president's strategy is. I mean, you say he's not unraveling, but this is the 
worst chaos I've seen in a generation. I would, I, I would agree with that. I have never seen. You were talking about the president, this presidency, as if it's sort of a normal presidency that's gone. Oh, I never said that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> because I, yeah, I have been in water. Washington a long time. I've never seen anything like this. Not it, nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think you were talking about leaving, leaving uh, Syria. I mean, the interesting thing is that. This leaving Syria is something Obama probably would have done, but he would have done it much differently. There would have been but, a long review. That's what I was going to say. Clear. It's yeah. very interesting that you know these are uh, Obama and Trump supposed to be complete diametrical opposites. Right. But so, Trump is doing the same thing in Syria that Obama did in uh, Iraq, and I think the reason is Obama wouldn't have been president. Trump wouldn't have been president if both of them hadn't vociferously opposed the Iraq war. So they had kind of similar DNA. In that respect. And so, how do you explain Afghanistan? Well, and, and given the Taliban, you know, some some. Look, they're so horrible. That, I think they're both horrible decisions. All right. And and let me be clear on uh, since Elizabeth brought up this point, I didn't say this is a normal presence. I said this is what people voted for. Now, no. The, the no. no, wait a second. The president, no. the president they voted is acting for the stock no market. Wait a second. The president. Well, listen. The stock market, you, you vote for it when it's up, and nobody wanted to give him credit when it's up, and he took credit, and now everybody wants to give him blame when it's down. That's not fair. What they voted for was Washington to be upended. They hate Washington, D.C. That certainly happened. Right? But, 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 that's, but, John, that's my point. You know, th this hysteria about, oh, I've never seen chaos like this, this is what the American people voted for. They said that the way Washington was being run by both parties they wanted was not effective, and they wanted a disruptor, and now they've got a disruptor. Now... You know, people may decide they don't like this much disruption, but don't tell me this is not what people expected. People who voted for him, and if well, you talk to people who are supporters of him, they like this. They like not every bit of it. You, you're not going to tell, tell me those workers in Michigan and Pennsylvania who are about to lose their job from GM, they're liking this. No, they don't. They don't like this. They don't like this. 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 Form of disruption. I don't that, know how you, know, you that, connect that, that, the two, that, Donna. Oh, I can make a lot of connections but, but by the way, between this, his trade policies. So, so, so you believe? Tariff. Wait a second. You're telling me that the, the CEO of GM has decided to cut these jobs because of Donald Trump's trade policy? That's ridiculous. No, That's I, not why she decided to do it. But she Donald, decided to do Donald it to serve Trump her shareholders. promised to save jobs and to bring more jobs, and he's not even delivering on he's, that. He's, and he's, by the way, we still the lowest unemployment rate that we've seen. Donna, I mean, well, that was going down under Obama. Please, no. All right. So anything that's good was started under Obama. Obama and anything that's happened is Trump. And, and this is why well, people watch these no, shows. I'm, I'm like, not saying this is why people watch no, these shows and go, what, what the hell are you talking about? You, you, you're speaking for me, but I'm Unemploy Unemployment is as low as it's ever been, <laughs> and he's created a huge number of jobs. But, so but, but, but there are clearly dark clouds in the horizon. Dark we've clouds? Seen, you know, what, I mean, I mean, which you, dark clouds, John? Are you well, just talking I about the, the stock market? The financial markets, they are reacting to the, the trade war with China. They are yeah. reacting some to the chaos. But it's also driven by a global economy that's slowing down, even though ours is still doing really well. Right. So, so let me ask you, Rich, because I, I, I'm old enough to remember when National Review was dead set against Donald Trump. Let, let, let's call up the, the cover you famously uh, put out during the campaign against Trump. And you uh, wrote, Trump is philosophically un, an un, a philosophically unmoored political opportunist who would trash the broad conservative ideological consensus within the GOP in favor of a, a free-floating populism with strong man overtones. Now... You've been more supportive since, uh, you know, since he uh, uh, won the nomination and won the presidency. Uh, but are you now seeing your worst fears or signs well, say, of your worst fears? First of all, the realized? context of that editorial is when we had 16 other guys right, to, I understand. to choose yeah. from, <laughs> present company included. Thank you. But uh, I think if you look back, he's been better on domestic policy than I would have expected, and that's a big deal. But our concerns about his temperament and his shambolic style have largely proved out, and unfortunately this, this week has been a prime example of it. 
And, and is he starting to lose those? I mean, his bulwark is are those Republican senators, right? Who have been so supportive by well, and large. McConnell's I mean, there have been the, the corkers and the flakes the, uh, on the outside, but by and large. McConnell, uh, the, the conservative uh, McConnell's criticism this week of Mattis's resignation and how he couldn't agree with the president was a big, big warning sign for Trump about Republicans. I mean, McConnell is very disciplined. We all know that. Doesn't show his cards. The fact that that statement was so tough, and it, we know what McConnell thinks privately, uh, which is Trump is a big problem for the party, but to have it said so publicly was significant. And look, and Trump is, you know, fabulous reporting this morning by by Peter Baker and, and uh, Maggie Haberman. You know, he's um, very isolated in the White House. He sees enemies everywhere. He's um, more distant from his children. He doesn't listen to Jared and Ivanka. Um, he's watching a lot of television. He doesn't come down to the Oval Office until 11 a.m. most days. I mean, this is not I'm a. I'm with Chris system. on this. Like every other week, we've had this this news cycle. This is, the whole thing is falling apart. Okay. And and my, my belief is just the wheels are never quite coming off the way they seem like they're coming off. This has been a bad week. But he'll get someone respectable to be defense secretary. These are plum jobs that people want. And, and Mulvaney, how's he going to do? Well, listen. I mean, that's going to be up to him. Um, I, I was encouraged by hearing him say this morning he wasn't going to try to manage the president. And, and I do think that one of the, the mistakes, and, a, and I think a very well-intentioned mistake that General Kelly made was that he tried to manage the president. I don't think you can do that. And I think what you need to try to do is to say to the president, what are the areas that you want me to manage? And then manage those areas. And if he impedes you in those areas, then say, well, Mr. President, that wasn't our deal. And I, so I think... I think Mick is right that he shouldn't try to manage the president because I think that's just not a job that's going to happen. Okay. And, when, but, but, and when I wonder, and I want to ask everybody who's out in the audience today, if they have a 72-year-old relative whose behavior they're attempting to change. When people get older, <laughs> oh, people get older no, let's get oh, ready, because oh. it's happening to me now. Oh, when people get older, they become more and more convinced of the fact that what they're doing is the right thing, and it becomes harder uh, to convince them otherwise. Especially so, if they're President of the United States. Now, yeah. Yeah. If you add well, to it, President of the United States, yeah, yeah, and a lot ahead, of wealth and a lot of fame, right. it becomes even harder. Manage the things you can manage. And if Mick does that, I think he'll be successful. If he doesn't, It'll be hard. Well, look, I'm looking forward to January 3rd. I'm coming back early because I cannot wait <laughs> to see this remarkable, diverse Congress uh, come to Washington, D.C. to hold this president accountable. But look, to your point, uh, he wakes up every day, he watches television. If someone criticizes him, especially from his base, he just goes in the opposite direction. All right. All right. We, are, we are out of time. We will be back. Much more Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching.